If you enjoy podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Hopeful Hints, hosted by Dr. Tara, guides and supports those on the often challenging and isolating journey of women's health concerns and infertility. There's a particularly powerful episode that you should check out called All Things Endometriosis, which dives deep into understanding the condition to help the many women who suffer from endometriosis and have no idea they have it, and healthcare providers who are uneducated about it, making the diagnosis process so difficult. Check out Hopeful Hints on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com. Hey there, leading ladies. Welcome to the Women Physicians Lead Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Lisa Herbert, a two-time best-selling author, speaker, family physician, and executive leadership coach with over 20 years experience of providing primary care and serving as a healthcare leader. If you are a woman physician ready to make a change in your career and have a seat at the leadership table, then you are in the right place. I'm excited to provide you with the crucial skills you need to be a successful leader and strategies to deal with workplace challenges. So put on your headphones and listen as we explore the new world of building women physician leaders. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Women Physicians Lead podcast. So I'm excited today to bring you another great guest, Carmen Villar, and I'll be talking with her today while we are here spending the weekend celebrating the National Medical Fellowship's 75th anniversary. And their event is titled Reimagining Healthcare, Celebrating Equity Change Agents. So I'm going to introduce Carmen Villar, and then we're going to get into some questions, learn a little bit about her journey and her role with NMF, and also talk to her about what the future looks like for um, healthcare in terms of equity and diversity. So Carmen Villar is the Vice President of Social Business Innovation at Merck and Company. In this role, Carmen works across the company to elevate the intersection of social and business impact while striving to create sustainable health systems to support improved health and well-being globally. Prior to joining Merck, Carmen was Chief of Staff at the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, where Carmen led the agency through both the West African Ebola and the Zika emergency responses. Her leadership was critical in providing coordination across the agency and with other U.S. government counterparts and earned her the honor of the Presidential Meritus Rank Award. She worked in both Nigeria and Zambia, providing leadership and oversight to CDC's programs as part of the President's Emergency Plan for AIDS Relief. As a key health advisor to the U.S. ambassador in Nigeria and Zambia, she also provided expert advice in critical public health areas such as polio and tuberculosis. Carmen started in government as a presidential management fellow, focusing on policy and program planning for HIV, STD, and TB prevention. Carmen has also overseen multi-site domestic and international HIV research projects in the areas of drug use, prevention of mother-to-child treatment, and vaccines. Prior to joining the CDC, she was the Policy Affairs Coordinator at the AIDS Healthcare Foundation and had also served as a legislative aide in the California Assembly. Carmen holds a Master's in Social Welfare from UC Berkeley and a Bachelor's in Anthropology from UC Berkeley. 
So help me in welcoming Carmen Villar to the Women Physicians Lead podcast. Thank you for being here. It's great to be here. Thank you for that lovely introduction. Yes, absolutely. So I was very intrigued and inspired when I read your bio and quickly, I think, realized how you were able to sort of bring together this really um, wonderful career journey, utilizing your background in anthropology and social welfare. And I wanted you just to kind of walk us through that career journey and walk us through the various leadership roles that you held and tell us a little bit about how you got there and who or what may have inspired you to actually sort of, you know, walk the walk that you did. Sure. Well, thanks for the opportunity to be here with you today. I'm really excited to talk more and to hear more uh, on your podcast later as well. I think that when we talk about um, mentorship and leadership, I've been fortunate in my career that I've had um, quite a few different people uh, giving me advice, helping me get to the next position or next job. Um, but always at the core of whatever I did was this sense that um, I was giving back to my community. I was somehow doing a job or going for a position that would advance social justice, community health, um, whatever it may be that I was interested in doing at the time. And so um, I also had the honor and the privilege of, as you said, going to UC Berkeley and in my social work program or my social welfare program, public service was really a big part of uh, the ethos of that school and had been for a long time. So um, that's always kind of what I'm looking for in terms of a purpose uh, in any job that I'm exploring or anything that I'm doing. And that really comes from my family, you know, my, my folks. I grew up in Los Angeles. Um, I'm the daughter of a Japanese-American born in an internment camp during World War II and a dad who uh, grew up in East L.A. Um, uh, with his single mom and then married mom and then siblings and uncles and a lot of aunts and family around him. So I think that the idea that we continue to strive to give back so that we can get better for every for the next generations to come is really kind of what drives me. And I think we see that, um, you know, in my folks and in my grandparents, my great grandparents who immigrated here uh, or immigrated to the U.S. Um, from Mexico and Japan. And, and so I think it really is important that we think about this and, and long term, um, what that means for future generations as we continue to grow and think about things like generational wealth uh, and how that fits in to what we're doing now around social justice and, and in MEF in particular around equity in, in healthcare. Um, the journey of my career isn't um, particularly special, though I think I I always took positions that always had a purpose, but also gave me a challenge and an opportunity to grow. And the one thing I would say about, you know, um, working at CDC and being able to live and work in Africa and do all the different things that I did there and then leaving the public sector and coming to a place like Merck um, is that taking risks is something I was always encouraged to do. And I always felt safe in doing so because I knew I had a very solid foundation uh, in family and friends. And so 
Um, I am proud uh, that I've been able to do that. I'm even more proud of the people around me who have supported me in, in doing so. That's great. Thank you for sharing your story and your journey. And I love how you talk about public service because I feel like public service really intersects um, healthcare, and we can certainly, um, you know, have an impact in healthcare from all areas of public service. Doesn't necessarily have to be health. We don't necessarily, excuse me, have to be health professionals to have an impact. But if public service is at the core of what we do, and if we're passionate about that, we all definitely can have an impact on um, healthcare globally. So again, thank you for sharing that. So tell us a little bit about um, your role, you know, sort of what does that look like? What type of um, things do you get to do in your role? Uh, Who are some of the people that you impact? And then what are some of the challenges that you may face? Sure. Um, Well, it's a very exciting role, actually. Social business innovation at Merck includes all of our enterprise-wide health equity work, um, all of our ESG strategy and management work, and then everything related to our global impact giving. So our Merck Foundation, special initiatives like our Mechdesign Donation Program and Merck for Mothers Initiative. So I really do feel like I have one of the best jobs at the company. Um, I also have been able to bring together a a great team. And with such a great team, a lot of what you do is helping to guide and support them in the work that they do every day. And I'd uh, be lying if I didn't say also putting out fires and problem solving is a big part of what I do every day. Uh, My son laughs at me because, you know, in this work from home environment that we've experienced in the last few years, he's like, you're on meetings all the time. What do you do all day? (laughs) You sit in front of that computer. Um, I do. I mean, you know, we have to talk about things like strategy. We have to talk about things um, like program definitions, program roles, uh, program evaluation, things that we can support um, from our side of the business, which is outside of the commercial area, obviously, um, in a way that hopefully will have a real impact on communities and a real impact on improving health. Because it, it, if it doesn't, it doesn't really matter because long-term the business won't be as good as it could be. Our entire goal is to have both a social impact and a business impact. And when we think about healthcare in particular, if we um, want important public health or important medicines and important public health products to reach the people who need them the most, then our healthcare systems have to be working, right? And those are things that I get to help support, whether it be in the area of the actual systems and how medicines are delivered, or whether it be in training of healthcare providers, or whether we give grants to do additional research or operational, or what some people call implementation research on the ground to see how things are working to evaluate how uh, distributions of different medicines um, might work. An important piece of just uh, my own interest has been around uh, diversity in clinical trials. Um, And that's some of the work that I've been very supportive of with national medical uh, fellowships as well, because we know that there aren't enough uh, people of color represented in clinical trials. We know that physiology can be different 
We know that impact and dosage of medicines needs to be titrated to your appropriate physiological makeup. And if we're not represented in those trials and we don't have that experience, then we don't know and we don't adjust. And oftentimes what happens is a provider will say, here, take this pill, um, take this medicine to address whatever disease or whatever issue you may be um, encountering. And you do that and you don't feel so good, right? You get lots of side effects and, and people decide, well, I'm not going to take that because it makes me feel even worse. Well, lots of times it's a dosing issue, you know, maybe you need to adjust your dose, you need to cut it in half, you need to. And, and if you, um, if we don't do clinical trials with uh, participants who are of all colors and all uh, sizes and all genders, then we're, we're not going to have the information we need uh, to make that better, to make medicines more effective, and uh, to have people um, more interested in actually taking the medicines and taking care of themselves. So that's just one part of, of an interest of mine at work that I like to get involved in as well. Um, the great thing about my job is I do have um, some luxuries and freedoms that allow me to participate in outside boards like National Medical Fellowships. That's great. That's great. And I think it's such important um, work that you're doing and that you get to do, right? You're, yeah. You get to, um, to make sure that your organization really encompasses what it means to deliver more accessible, equitable healthcare, right, for all people yeah. by making sure yeah. that they look at the social impact, like you mentioned, and mm -hmm. not just the business impact of what they're doing. So, so thank you for your yeah. work there. Of course, of course. This is the challenge, right? This is the long-term work that we all have to do together. Hey, leading ladies, stay right there and we will be back with my amazing guests. This conversation is so good that you don't want to miss it. So stay tuned. I am ecstatic to have been involved with an organization that stands behind their vision of reimagining healthcare. NMF's constant effort in raising awareness for this community is so notable. I joined them at the Gratitude Gala this past November 5th, 2022, where there were key stakeholders, members, and supporters driving their mission forward. We hope that you will continue to help us in this mission of reimagining healthcare, and you can do so by going to nmfonline.org forward slash reimagine. That's nmfonline.org forward slash reimagine. Are you ready to deliver your message directly to the ears of your audience? Well, Coffee and C-Suite Conversations are many episodes that give you a chance to do just that. We work with you to create a captivating conversation about your company and expertise and engage you with listeners who are aligned with your mission. As part of this campaign, you get a dedicated mini podcast inserted into several of our episodes. You also get a social media campaign, and a file to insert on your own website. So what are you waiting for? Ready to give a voice to your brand? For more information, go to justtherightbalance.com forward slash coffee convo. That's justtherightbalance.com forward slash 
coffee, C-O-F-F-E-E, Convo, C-O-N-V-O. We look forward to working with you. Hey there, leading ladies. It's Dr. Lisa. Thanks for hanging in with me. Now back to our amazing interview. So tell us a little bit about your role with NMF and what inspired you to get involved. Yeah. So I've been on the board now with NMF for about four years. Um, When I had joined Merck, there was a board member um, from Merck uh, involved with NMF. Um, She was our chief human resources officer and she was getting ready to retire and she, you know, so she was on the executive team and she called me into her office one day. Now, when the chief HR officer calls you in your office, you kind of go, oh, what did I do? Yeah. <laughs> I'm in trouble. Um, but she said, I want to talk to you about a great organization that I've been involved with called NMF. And, um, and I was so excited to hear what the organization was doing, you know, giving scholarships to um to students of color in medical school and residency programs. It was just uh, fantastic to think that we could have an impact on what physicians around the country look like and uh, where they come from and how they approach patient care. So I, of course, said yes, and thank God I'm not in trouble um, <laughs> with you. And um, and then proceeded to get to know the organization a little bit. Um, you know, I, it was interesting. I had a chance to go to a gala. I had a chance to participate in one board meeting in person and then a few um, on the phone and then COVID came. And so a lot of the work that I've been doing with NMF has been virtually. Um, So it's very exciting to be here today in Miami with all of my colleagues, because some of them I've never met before in person. Um, And this, yeah, this celebration of, you know, health equity and advancing healthcare for all is really, really just so exciting. But it's even more exciting to be together and be able to celebrate all that we've done and all that we're going to do. Um, But one of the things, a couple of big things I've been able to work on is our NMF doctor program, which is diversity in clinical trials research and support the initiation of that program to help expose uh, clinicians to what it means to be engaged in clinical trials with the idea that the more physicians of color we have involved in research, the more patients of color we will be able to bring into the fold and hopefully get them not only comfortable with the idea of clinical trials, but actually as participants. Um, So that's one project I have to say, and this is something I'm gonna brag about also. I had the pleasure of being on the search committee uh, to recruit Micheline Davis a few years, almost two years ago now, uh, to come and be our CEO at NMF. And she has just been a, blessing and a powerhouse and a pleasure to work with. And I'm so glad that she is now leading NMF and is taking us to the next level in terms of what we can do to promote and support health equity. Absolutely. Uh, It's been so transformative. You know, I was um, introduced to Micheline maybe about 10 years ago, but in a a different Mm -hmm. capacity, she was in in a different role at that time. Very brief Mm -hmm. introduction but was always inspired just by her passion, you know, and, you know, follow her for many years. And then it came full circle when, uh, they, you know, it came upon me that, enough, wait, I was part of that. When I was a <laughs> you know, and, you know, how we forget. 
And yes. so it's just been wonderful to be now, you know, connected again, you know, with NMF and its mission, um, just like you mentioned. And I think yeah. that the clinical trial aspect of it is so important because you're right. People of color do not enter clinical trials. There's a trust factor there, mm -hmm. right? Huge. So mm -hmm. certainly um, if they don't see people who look like them, who can really support them and give them the right information, then we're mm -hmm. not going to have, you know, people who of diverse backgrounds participating, you know, in those trials. So And it's um it takes building those relationships for people then to trust you or to trust the system, you know. Um, and as you're alluding to, there's a long history of people not being able to trust the system or feeling that they can't trust the healthcare system. So I think, you know, this is more training providers and getting them involved is a critical piece of the work, but building that long-term trust with communities um, is, is even more important and helping them understand these critical medical factors and why their participation is so crucial. Um, and, and like I say to my folks at work all the time, you know, we're in this for the long haul. This is the long game. This is not, you know, our short-term quarterly results. This is our long-term gain as a, as a company and as a society. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And you already sort of, you know, mentioned about the impact that this is going to have, right, in, in the healthcare industry in terms of having mm -hmm. a more diverse physician pool. Um what impact do you think it will make down the line in terms of impacting healthcare um, disparities? And mm -hmm. why is that in, why is that important to, to really just continue to work at this? Like we yeah. Do? Yeah, listen, <clears throat> I I would venture to say that healthcare has never truly been equitable equitable for anybody, you know, whether you're a woman or whether you're a person of color or whether you're both. So having more physicians of color hopefully will um, allow more people to trust the system and to come into care um, at the right point, meaning early screening so that we can put prevention measures in place um, and that healthcare costs won't be as high for the patients or for the system. You know, um, so so I think that there are long term benefits like that. If you think about diabetes, for example, which affects a lot of us, um, you know, if you come in when you're really sick and you have high A1C already, then, uh, you know, it's harder to find a medication that can get you to where you need to be. Um, and you are sicker and therefore maybe have secondary uh, adverse symptoms. And, you know, so there's a lot of negative con consequences that that costs more for the system in general and for you as a patient. So there are things that we really um, can improve upon with more, more people of color in the system and more physicians of color um, or, or providers of color because, you know, nurses, psychiatrists, um, clinical care physicians, specialty physicians, researchers, we need diversity in all those areas. Um, on the research side, I would say, you know, when you get people that come from diverse backgrounds involved in research, you also get diverse research. Mm -hmm. um, and I was talking earlier about um, symptoms and titrating of meds, and it's different for everybody. From personal experience, you know, my mom um, has been ill off and on for a while. And when she was first diagnosed, she's, you know, I mentioned earlier, she's Japanese American, she's kind of petite. 
she can't drink alcohol, you know, all the stereotypical things you hear about Asians. However, when she got sick, it took about two years for us to figure out her medicine regime because um, too much of one thing would put her over the edge. One way, not enough would bring her back um, and put her in a bad place. And it took us until we found um, a provider at UCLA, actually, who had been studying basically physiology of women of color Mm -hmm. and the impact that medicines have on them. And he was able to titrate her meds to a a place where then we got her to where she needed to be. But that personal experience um, gave me a lot of insight into, you know, what can happen uh, to, if you're a little bit different, if your physiology is a little bit different, um, and if you've never been real sick before and uh, need to get those medicines. Um, so that was that was a personal experience that also drives, you know, a lot of why I'm so passionate about this work and, and this area. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to just ask you if you could give three tips to our listeners for those who would like to get involved, you know, with organizations like NMF to help recruit, mm-hmm. support, and retain uh, BIPOC health professionals, or maybe they just want to get more involved um, in their own organization in terms of diversity, equity, and inclusion uh, in healthcare. Where should they begin? Yeah, well, start anywhere, I would say, which sounds kind of like a random answer, but. I think that there is so much to do that anything that you start, be it, you know, asking questions in your place of work um, when you have those opportunities and meetings or town halls or things like that, um, getting involved with things that you enjoy. It doesn't have to necessarily be around uh, BIPOC issues or community issues. You can start by volunteering, um, you know, with animals or something, understanding that everybody needs that volunteer help or needs that support. And then as you become comfortable with that and sort of giving back in the way that makes you feel good, then you get to expand a little bit in your interests. And that might be an organization like NMF. It might be getting on a board somewhere through, you know, for a nonprofit or your church or, you know, maybe an academic institution. I think that starting small is a good way to get comfortable in whether it be civic action or uh, board service or whatever it might be, even volunteering at a hospital. There's lots of things that people can do. Um, But what I would say is much like in a career or in academics, you know, once you get comfortable and involved in something, think about what else you might be able to do, what else you can bring to the table. We all have these hidden skills. We all have these hidden skills or underappreciated skills, which are in there somewhere. And it just takes a little bit of effort to bring them out. So I would encourage everybody to do that. It's so, so critical Uh, to give back in some way and really appreciate the world and the communities in which we live. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for those tips. And I think it's, you know, like you said, just start somewhere. Sometimes we Mm -hmm. look at the enormity of what we have to do and think, oh my gosh, how can I have an impact on something that's so huge, Mm -hmm. but every little bit helps, every little bit counts and starting somewhere, anywhere is better than not doing anything at all. 
Exactly. And I would say probably the most important civic action anybody can take is voting. I don't care how you vote. Just get to the polls, please. This is such a critical time in our world. Yes, yes, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, um, Carmen. I appreciate you coming on and speaking with me today and sharing your story. Um, Thank you for the work that you're doing as well in terms of, um, you know, expanding uh, healthcare globally, as well as helping to reduce health disparities and and supporting um, BIPOC students. So thank you so much. Thank you, Lisa, and thank you for all your great work in bringing these important stories to everyone. Thank you. It's time for physicians to rise up, step out, stand out, and take back our place in healthcare to be the respected voice and leader in our communities. My mission is to help physicians transition into leadership roles by equipping them with the personal and professional development skills that they need to be successful and also to help them care for themselves physically, mentally, and spiritually. If you have experience practicing in your given specialty, if you have a gift for innovation and building teams, if you have the ability to bring about change in others, if you have solved problems in your practice setting or community, then there are organizations that need you to claim your rightful seat at the table and lead. If you are ready to be a leader in healthcare and change the status quo, then I invite you to book a complimentary strategy discovery session with me at schedulewithdrlisa.com. That's schedulewithdrlisa.com. Thank you for listening today and for allowing me to be a part of your career journey. To continue receiving leadership support, I invite you to join our private Facebook group, Building Women Physician Leaders at www.leadingladiesincharge.com. Until next time, take care. If you enjoyed podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Hopeful Hints, hosted by Dr. Tara, guides and supports those on the often challenging and isolating journey of women's health concerns and infertility. There's a particularly powerful episode that you should check out called All Things Endometriosis, which dives deep into understanding the condition to help the many women who suffer from endometriosis and have no idea they have it, and healthcare providers who are uneducated about it, making the diagnosis process so difficult. Check out Hopeful Hints on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com.